All right, come on, Westside, how are we today? Awesome, I was, I was feeling it, I was sensing it. Okay, so we're in our fifth installment of a series called Work Matters. There's dignity in work, you matter in that work, and there's all sorts of matters that we have to work out in our work. Would you agree? So here's one of the things that, that I've experienced a bunch, I hear from a lot of leaders all the time, how do I integrate all the parts of me in all the places I find myself in? Anyone relate to that? How do I show up as the same person in all of these different places? Here's another one. How do I juggle it all? All the things. Anybody else relate to that? All right, so let's, uh, let's whiteboard the problem, shall we? So you have, you have this thing called you. Needs a little self-care, would you agree? Yeah. Uh, then you have your most important relationships. Let's just call it your friends and family. That's what... The F slash F stands for. Can you remember that? Yes, great. Okay. Then, um, yeah, oftentimes in the workplace, we have a team that we either are on or we lead. Then you have the larger organization, and there's responsibilities there. And then you have the community. These are all the places in which you serve. It could be your neighborhood, obviously here at Westside and your church. You got all the things. These are kind of like the core areas of your life. How do you show up as the same person here and here and here and here and how do you juggle all the things? And it really starts with this question. Are you an intentional person or an accidental person? <laughs> Someone just said, oh boy, <laughs> okay, here we go. Are you an intentional person or an accidental person? Here's what intentional means at its core. Deliberate pursuit. Deliberate pursuit. Uh, in the Psalms, Psalm 90 says this, so teach me to number my days, O God, that I might gain or I might offer up a wise heart. How do you number your days? How do you make, as Paul would say in the New Testament, how do you make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, he says. How do, how do you do that? I love how Annie Dillard puts it. She says, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Isn't that, isn't that great? Like every day matters and, and every day compiles upon another day to another day and pretty much you have your life. So intentionality is simply deliberate pursuit. What's accidental? Haphazard reaction. No plan, no methodology, no strategy to your approach. And what does it look like on the whiteboard? Well, if these are all kind of the, the core areas of, uh, for many of us, and by the way, you might go, well, I don't really have a team, I have, you know, like, but just work with it, right? If this, these are all the core areas of your life and you are an accidental person by and large, well, you come to all of these things because they all have demands upon you and, you and here you are, right? And now how are you going to show up as your best self, juggle it all without any sort of deliberate pursuit or intention? Well, it looks like this. Whoever and whatever and from wherever is screaming and shouting the loudest at you and they want you for it and they need all sorts of things for you, right? And it's just basically a firing squad to your day. Anyone relate? Yep. And uh, I think many of us approach our days like this. How do I know? How many of you, the first thing you do when you wake up other than a bio break is you grab your phone. 
and you say, what does the world have for me today? Text messages, news feeds, what's blown up around the world? What are people asking of me? Who's missed me over the last six hours of my, of my sleep? Emails, etc. And we wake up in a haphazard state of reactivity, spending the rest of our day in constant response to everyone else's agendas and demands. Am I hitting home at all? No? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and I know, I know it well. This is, um, this is no way to live, yes? <laughs> yes. You guys are just, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for the conversation. I'm serious. It's wonderful. That's wonderful. No way to live. And the good news is we have a path. To, to, we have somebody that's modeled that for us. And it is Jesus. We talked last week about how Jesus matters in the workplace. And here's another place where Jesus shows up the same in all the different places, but unpredictably so. Jesus shows up with a sense of methodology and intention, deliberately pursuing in all the most beautiful ways. Jesus was always intentional. And I want us just to look, uh, we're just going to take a run at the scriptures and just say, where, where do we see that happening in Jesus? And by the way, one of my favorite things to do, if you've not tried it, is take a question and then look at the life of Jesus with that question. Could be, where did Jesus experience interruptions? Could be, where did Jesus ask questions like we talked about last week? It could be, how did Jesus treat women or the outcasts? Or it could be, where did Jesus show intention. And so I want you to go ahead and grab your Westside app, grab your notes, grab your Bible, and let's just turn to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 1, and we're just going to look at verse 35. We're just going to kind of roll a little bit here, and I want you to just kind of get your sleuth eyes open to the scriptures. Where do you see Jesus practicing intentionality, deliberate pursuit? Here we go, very early, verse 35, chapter 1. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You see intentionality there? Is that accidental? It's very, very intentional. He had to do it when everyone else is asleep. He had to get up very early in the morning to be with the Father. It's beautiful. And um, not everyone thinks it's beautiful, though. Verse 36, Simon's companions, they went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you, Jesus. He does not apologize. He says, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Do you hear the sense of intention there? That's why I've come. Now, he didn't start at the villages. Where did he start his day? Right, with his father in the dark. Pretty, pretty dang cool. Let's jump to um, just to uh, verse 40. Now, a man with leprosy came to him and begged on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And this is just oddly cool. I don't know exactly what it means. Jesus was indignant. I don't know why he was indignant. Was he indignant that this man was, uh, had this skin infection? Was he indignant that people had outcasted him for something he could not control? Other translations would say that he was compassionate. But anyhow... He certainly acted upon it. He reached out his hand, touched the man. I am willing, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. But look at this, verse 43, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning and said, go tell everyone I did this. No, see that you don't tell this to anyone. I don't know, if it were me and I, I, just, skinned, I, I just skinned, I just healed a person with um, some form of skin infection, I'd kind of like, 
I'd issue a press release. Would you not? <laughs> I totally would. Now he's like, okay, I did this. It's pretty cool, I know. Don't tell a soul. What's the intention behind that? Well, there's something very strategic going on. Jesus has an ultimate plan. We've talked before. He has a purpose. He has a so that. What's so that? Uh, he wants to redeem all creation. Just a small little thing. He wants to restore all humanity back into relationship with the deep part of the Father. That, that's like his, that is his ambition. That's what he's going after. That is his deep why, his big purpose. And he knows that he can't quite accomplish that if things get too big, too hot, too quickly. So he tells the man, don't do it, but go to the priest. Show yourself to be clean. He wants to restore him to community. There's intention there. But instead, the man completely disregards Jesus and, uh, and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet people came from everywhere. He's seen just this level of intention in all of these different ways in Jesus. Let's jump uh, to uh, the next chapter, Let's, or chapter 2 still, verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, he had intentionally pursued Levi, brought Levi uh, kind of into the fold a bit, and now he's having a great meal at Levi's house. Problem is, Levi's kind of a, some in that day would have called him a scumbag. No, for real. That's, that's what they would have, if they had our vernacular, that might, might have been what they had said. So many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come, do you hear the intention? I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He's talking about deliberate pursuit. Sometimes you have to be really clear about what you're not in order to be clear about what you are. You have to be really clear in terms of what you're not going after in order to be super focused on what your deepest purpose is. That's intentionality. And Jesus knows, look, here's what I've come for. Here's what I've not come for. A bunch of religious people who think they're all fine. I love this. Let's, uh, let's jump over to John, the Gospel of John. I love this one. Chapter two, just pick it up, verse one, just, we'll read just part of it. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. And this is very respectful, it sounds weird to us, but Jesus says, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. Again, from deliberate pursuit from intentionality. Jesus has a sense of timing. He has a sense of thinking in terms of epochs. The Greek word for that would be kairos. Jesus had a sense of what is the right time at the right moment and be very intentional about this. And he's saying to his mom, this is not the time. She turns to uh, the, the wait staff and says, whatever he says, do it. And before you know it, Jesus has turned a bunch of, a bunch of kegs of water into, into wine which only goes to prove that Jesus is intentional and flexible, and he knows who's boss, namely his mom. <laughs> That's what he knows. But flexibility is a part of intentionality, is it not? And in fact, I kind of suggested this earlier. 
Much of the way Jesus did his work was by way of interruption that led to opportunity. So sometimes, and so if you're going like, yeah, you want to be intentional, but how do you not keep out of the, the, the interruptions? Well, sometimes you have to say no, but sometimes those interruptions lead to opportunities. And Jesus, though very intentional, was focusing on those. Let's look at one more. I love this. John chapter 9. We kind of touched on this last time. Man is blind. His disciples are asking him, well, who sinned, right? They want to turn this man's condition into a theological discussion. And Jesus says, well, actually, he's blind so that the glory of God, the power, could be shown in this man. And he takes a little spit, takes a little mud, you know, and puts it on the man's eyes. It's like, you know, their version of a Mary Kay kind of situation of, of applying this. And the man is healed. Problem is he's healed on the Sabbath, which is a no-no. There's one day out of the week you can't apparently do anything, even good things. And, um, and it creates this big rigmarole where the man gets interrogated. They bring in his parents. They get interrogated. And he gets kicked out of the synagogue. Look, though, again, we're talking about deliberate pursuit Chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and I just love this, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Well, who is he, sir? The man asked, tell, him, tell me so that I may believe in him, and Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him, and I should have included this in the slide because verse 39, we see his intention for judgment. Jesus says, I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. You get the level of intention of Jesus. And isn't it cool that he heals this man and he didn't just move on, he circled back. Great leaders circle back. Great leaders might do something, they might even do something poorly, but they'll circle back with deliberate pursuit and bring somebody in. Here this man gained his eyes and his sight, but then he lost his people. And now he's on an island. He can see but he's completely untethered. And so Jesus, with deliberate pursuit, goes, finds him, and brings him into the fold. I don't know, what does this do for you? As we just look at the life of Jesus. For me, I just go, this is our Lord. This is the one we follow. The one who at times is subversive and strategic. The one who is seeking out uh, intimacy with the Father in, in the dark. The, the one who sees the outcast and brings them in. The one who sees the riffraff and the scumbags and he dines with them. This is our Lord. Is that not cool? The intentional, deliberate pursuit of Jesus with a big so that and a deep why to redeem all the world, all creation, all the cosmos, to restore all of humanity back to the heart of the Father. And just imagine if he went about his days like this. Often how you and I waste our days versus number our days. So what would the approach of Jesus look like? How could we put that on a whiteboard? Turns out you can. Or we'll try. Well, it starts like this. You have the same areas of, of our life. And what great leaders do is they don't just go, these are the big components of my life. No, these are areas that I can bring influence into. See, you and I, we all have influence. You might go, I'm not a leader. I don't have positional authority. Actually, we all have influence. Thereby, we are all leaders. And if we were to take those five areas and look at how Jesus did it, well, he started like this. With Father, himself as the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
within the Trinity, he went in the dark and he hung out as the one triune God in this beautiful, uh, mutually edifying, intimate experience. And then he had three closest friends, and that was James, Peter, and John. And with them, he'd say, hey, look, um, you, you three with me, if the others, you don't mind hanging back, we're going to go up here, or we're going to go down there. And he would practice most intention with them. But then he had the three plus nine, so we'll just say the 12. He had his disciples. And with them, he would like explain the parables, and they'd travel together, and they'd road trip, and they'd do all these things. And he was incredibly intentional with them. But then we see little glimpses that he had another layer. He had 70 that he'd send out on little like short-term mission trips and things. See, it wasn't just that the 12 were his followers. He had a band of men and women, and they were growing in concentric circles. And then beyond that, Jesus had the 500 plus. You could say he had the 5,000 that he fed. He had the masses out there. And how did Jesus, with, with method and deliberate pursuit... If he was going to bring redemption to the world and restore the hearts of every man, woman, and child back to the Father, how would he do it? He was going to start here. And he was going to invest in those three at the deepest level. He was going to pour out to the 12. He was going to then extend to the 70 and ultimately to me, this is amazing. This is incredible. Uh, if I were God, I would have just gone straight here and saved myself a bunch of time and headache. There was a lot of waste here. There was a lot of like, oh my goodness, these guys are idiots. When will they ever get there? There was all that. And yet Jesus had an intentional approach and pursuit at every single level. And so if we were to apply just these big areas of our lives, we could just say, as we think about ourselves, there's the self. Here's friends and family, your most important relationships. Here's maybe the team you serve on. By the way, if you're a student, you could think about this differently, right? Here's the organization at large in which you serve and lead. Here's the community and all of the ways that we serve and give of ourselves outside. What's important to note here is this inside-out strategy. Because what if I put my greatest priorities right here? What would happen if I just poured it out here all day long and left nothing in reserve here? How many of us do that? I would say a lot of us. In fact, let me just say, there's, there's many traps to this and I've found myself in all of them. Uh, but the first trap is what we would just call the self-abandoning leader. Where you want to give you, all that you have to everyone else, but you forget to do like what Jesus did and wake up early in the dark or late at night whenever it works best for you. And you put yourself out here. This is what we call the self-abandoning leader or person. Right? And that's no fun. And oftentimes we just try to serve everyone else, but maybe we don't see that we're worth it. Maybe we don't see that um, we need to, as we often say, put the oxygen mask on first. Maybe we just don't feel, we see the value in everyone else, but we don't see quite the value for ourselves. Or we tell ourselves that we don't have time 
to do that kind of care because the demands, and don't make me turn the whiteboard back around, right? Actually, let me do that because I want to show you something. Okay. Did you notice that most of the heat came this way? There's very little coming from the self. If left to others' devices and intentions, this will happen all day long. Is you'll be a self-abandoning leader or person and have nothing ultimately to offer everyone else. So there's an order to our days. There's a way to number our days. And it looks like putting ourselves back in the center. Now, we know as followers of Jesus that it's not ourselves at the center, right? It's not, uh, I, I am the, the main primary existence of, of all things that would be reflective of our culture. There's a great book called The Modern Triumph or The, the Triumph of the Modern Self where it's all about you and who you want to be, et cetera, et cetera. We know that what Jesus modeled for us is we find who we are in the person of Jesus, yes? Yeah, okay. Now, um, that leads to a different, well, I'll leave that, but that leads to a, a different kind of trap, which is the self-absorbed leader. Anybody worked for a self-absorbed leader or dated one? <laughs> Has anyone been one? I have where I just couldn't get out of my own way and it just became all about me, didn't even know it. And man, this is, this is just, you know, this is like, uh, uh, this is like a black hole, just it's like a, a Hoover vacuum. And, and everything just folds in. So we don't wanna spend a lot of time for, uh, with that, but that, that, is a, that is no fun to be with a person that you might say has narcissistic tendencies and or is just so engrossed with who they are. I, years and years and years ago, I had, um, had a dear friend whose wife left the family and told the kids, and they were super young, it's just time for mom to get some mommy time. Now, that might have been true in one way or another. She might have needed some time didn't know how to get it, but all she knew how to do was make it all about her and the damage in all the ripple effect still lives on today. One more trap. There's, there's others and there's many. And I think it's the most common for many of us who love our work, give ourselves to our work, and are constantly um, trying to pour out out here. And it's, you might be pretty like good about your, your diet, your, your workout, your, your all those things, but then you kind of leapfrog, kind of leapfrog, and you come out here, and you work super hard, and you're super consumed, and when you get home at night, and your spouse says, hey, what do you think? Should we do this or that? And you hear yourself saying, oh, honey, I just don't care. You decide. I'm just so tired. I've got nothing left. That's the family abdicating person where you've just spent it all out here. And though we say it's covenantal here, though we say these are my most important relationships, in reality, the way that I'm practicing is I'm leaving it all out here and I have nothing left to give to my most important relationships. 
Am I, am I hitting home? I, I sure know for me, it's so easy to do. Just yesterday, working on something, my daughter comes into the room, hey, dad, and I instantly feel the, 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 the disruption, almost irritation to my spirit because I was so focused here. Here's what I'd like for us to do. I want to use this as a diagnostic, okay? I want you to zero to 10, how are you at deliberate pursuit of self-care, by which we, we must include at its core seeking the heart of the Father in a daily way? How are you in your most important relationship, zero to 10? Okay, I just want you, we're gonna score every layer, layer here. Zero to 10, deliberate pursuit, deliberate pursuit. It's a little bit like when I work with, with men and I say, hey, how are you and your wife doing? And they say, oh, we're good. How would your wife say that the two of you are doing? Oh, oh, see how that changes? Okay, so uh, zero to 10. With your team, and again, you extrapolate. Uh, this, this could look different for you in your environment, but if you have a kind of team that you work on, how intentional are you at developing? Why was Jesus intentional here versus just out here? Because he knew that these were the ones that were gonna go change the world. And he told them, you're gonna do greater things than even I in this short time on earth. You're like, and here we are 2,000 plus years later, right? So Jesus knew he was a developing leader, and so he had to multiply and grow. Uh, how are you out here, zero to 10? How are you out here with Westside and the other places in which you are involved, you volunteer, you serve, your soccer coach, whatever it might be? I want you just to take a quick assessment, okay? Go. Zero to 10 on each of these. By the way, I wanna also, um, online community, just wanna bring you in, make sure that you're tracking with us. Speedway. Okay, we, we good? We have just, this is kind of a blank exercise. You can think more about this, but do you have a, a quick scoring? Okay, so let's celebrate for a moment. Um, how many of you had as your highest score self? Anybody? Great. Maybe uh, not many, not many. Okay, highest score, uh, friends and family, your most important relationships. Okay, good, increasing. How many of you are uh, really good with your team, really intentional, intentional pursuit with your team? Okay, few online, please pop these, uh, your answers on. How about with the organization at large? Okay, and out at the community level, places you serve, volunteer. Anybody, you're best at. Okay, now let's uh, bring a little challenge. How many of you, your, your lowest score was with yourself? Yeah, lots of hands. Okay, how about your lowest score with your most important relationships? This would be mine, by the way. Um, particularly in friendship. Lowest score, team. Organization, okay, awesome. Community, all right, all right. So my question is, with that, first of all, celebrate where, where you're good, but if you're good out here, maybe that means that something's out of order. So, so how do we go from the right order, the order in which Jesus numbered 
his days, how can you do that? So if you have your low score, and in particular, if it's in, if it's in here, how can you be more intentional? How can you bring more deliberate pursuit? That's the question I wanna leave you with. I want you to really think about, what am I gonna do about that, okay? Now, we, uh, we've been celebrating all uh, series long, the West Sider of the Week, the one that is practicing things like this. And the West Sider of the Week is Josh Wilkins. Josh is a teacher at Wyandotte High School who also has started a, uh, a faith-based soccer league out here at the community level. And I just wanna ask Josh, are you anywhere in the house here in this particular service? Going once, going twice, going three times, no, but let's give it up for Josh, right? Beautiful. Sorry that we don't all get awards, right? But, uh, but we do just wanna say where you are, it really, really matters. Your work matters, you in your work matter there. Um, so uh, let me just leave you with three quick things from this. Uh, the first is I wanna speak to those of you who are leaders. Great leaders want this for others. Bad leaders, accidental leaders, just want all they can get from you. They don't want this for you. Why is that bad business at the end of the day? Because at some point, you're gonna hollow out here and you're gonna show up a shell of yourself and you're gonna bring just the bare minimum to the workplace. You're gonna actually get maximum output by caring for your people the most. There's, a, there's one stat that $359 billion are spent on workplace conflict. Do you think that happens by people not being healthy down here? You better believe it. Another stat, that only 58% of a full team's potential is being used every day. Do you think that in, in part matters because people aren't showing up as their full and healthy self? You better believe it. Great leaders think, how do we um, see to it that others are, are doing this order right and well? Number two, we all overflow something. So live from the overflow of heaven. So this line is basically the overflow. You know, Jesus says, from the heart comes all of this junk. But it doesn't have to be that way. It could be from the heart comes the gifts of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Do you think your workplace needs that? Yeah. So this is, we're only as good as what we have to give away, to overflow. So live from the overflow of heaven. And bring blessing and flourishing and peace into every area of your life. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus was not a self-abandoning leader. He was not a self-absorbed leader. He was not a family or disciple abdicating leader. He was a self-sacrificing leader. Self-sacrificing. And the overflow of heaven starts with the fact that he gave his very life up for you and for me. He's a self-sacrificing leader so that we can live from the overflow of heaven, from his life, from his death, from his resurrection, his ascension, where today he sits as Lord, continually offering himself as the self-sacrificing leader. The one who still today is intentional and deliberate in his pursuit of you 
and me. And so if you are able and willing to stand for a moment, I'd like to ask you to do that with your communion cups. Thank you, Jesus. That from the overflow of Jesus' life, he said to his disciples, here's my body. It's gonna be broken. It's gonna become unrecognizable for you. So receive all that's broken for your brokenness. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he held up one of the cups and he said, this is, this is the blood that's going to be poured out from my veins, the blood of life that forms a new way of relating between me and you and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit overflows to you. So drink of this cup. Receive my life for yours and for the forgiveness of sins. And so Heavenly Father, we pray your deep heart over us now. Jesus, we love how you lived and modeled your life. We love how when you said, I'm gonna redeem all creation and restore the hearts of men, women, and children back to the Father. We love how you did it. We marvel at it. Would you call us to receive your deliberate pursuit? Would you find us when we've been kicked out? Would you dine with us when others have called us riffraff and scumbags? Would you come to us as you have and always do? And we receive you. We receive you today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.